We are entering into the Psalms at the beginning of this year. I don't know how long we're going to go for. I just felt led that we should start there, and so we'll take it week by week and see where we end up. Uh, when Stephen and I, a year and a half ago, I was reminiscing this week about traveling, and a year and a half ago we went to England and we traveled about. We visited different estates, and one day I was looking forward to one in particular, and it's called the Chatsworth House. There it is there. You might recognize it if you've seen the movie Pride and Prejudice. But upon, we toured the home, and upon exiting, we were out and about. They have, oh man, I think it's over 1,800 acres of manicured gardens that you can walk. We were there all day. But we exited, and it wasn't too long before rain clouds poured over, dark storm clouds, and the rain began to pelt down upon us. And if we had just remained where we were, we would have been completely drenched. And so we took off running to find cover. Jordan, in the next slide. This used to be their horse stables. It's now their restaurant and their uh, a gift shop. And so we went in there to find shelter from the storm. And we went in there and we bought this umbrella because we didn't have one. I don't know what we're doing in England without an umbrella. <laughs> but we didn't have one. Oh, and now I can't open it. But we went into the gift shop and we bought this big umbrella that we could huddle under to be safe from the storm. And I want to talk today about where do you run to for shelter from the storms of life that rage all around. You know, crisis and tragedy, it reveals where our trust lies. When the pressures of life mount, what's your fortress that you run to? Who is your fortress? You see, sometimes we look to fellow human beings. We look to fellow, we look to leaders to bring a semblance of stability in those moments where we feel like we're out of control. If you think about your life, what is crisis, what is tragedy revealed in your life? What has it shown your trust to be in? Do you run back to addictions, pornography, food? Do you run to that dysfunction of anger that gives you a sense of control? Or do we run to the temporary comforts that this world can bring that are only temporary? Or do we run to him? Do we allow him to bring peace when our heart is in turmoil? You see, all of us have moments like we had in England where the dark storm clouds roll in over our lives where circumstances cause us to be overwhelmed. I've been having that the last few weeks personally. And we all need a refuge, we all need a fortress where we can emotionally be still and know that he is God. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 46. I've given today's message the title, Our Mighty Fortress. And this psalm is the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to write what is known as possibly the greatest hymn ever written, the battle song of the Reformation, or as we might know it, a mighty fortress is our God. And they said of him that whenever he faced many, many trials and difficulties, this hymn was written during the time of the Black Plague, 
And he almost lost his son's life to that plague. And so out of those trials, he turned to Psalm 46 for his comfort. And it was said of him often that during times of trials, that he spent 11 months, I believe it was, hiding out in a castle for his life. And he would call his associate, his co-worker and friend, and he'd say, let's sing Psalm 46. When he was pushed to his limit, he would rely on Psalm 46 to lift his heart and the truths of it. So I want us to read Psalm 46 today. Remember that the Psalms, this is written as a song, and so there's three stanzas. And each stanza ends with the word Selah. There's a pause to think, to reflect upon what is being sung. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See, these ancient, these ancient poems... They're filled with praise, they're filled with prayers, and they were like the hymn book for the people of God in that day. I was remembering this week, in fact, my husband brought it up when we were driving here, because we heard this old hymn that came up as we were driving that we hadn't sung since we were probably teenagers. So we began to think about, we used to, Sunday night, we had church in the morning and in the evening, and Sunday night, we had our hymn books, we had a hymn sing. And people would call out their favorite number, hymn 342. And then we'd all sing hymn 342. The next person would call them with a hymn, and we'd sing the next hymn. And so the Psalms was like the hymn book for the people of the Old Testament. They sang these prayers, these poems to the Lord. And you know, the Psalms, it not only allows us to express our emotions, but what I love about the Psalms is that it calls my emotions that aren't always in alignment with the truth it calls them into alignment with the truth by the time I'm finished reading them and entering in and worshiping through them. It guides them. It molds our emotions back into alignment with the truth of our great God at the same time as allowing us to express our raw emotions that we face from day to day, season to season. When I was a teenager... I actually wasn't much of a writer. I, didn't, I actually didn't like writing at all. But for whatever reason, I picked up poetry. <laughs> and I would express my emotions through poetry as a teenager. And I actually tried to find this week, one of my po I wrote a poem about my brother's death. 
And it started out just a poem just filled with anguish. But by the time I got to the end, it was like a lament psalm filled with anguish. But by the time I had gotten to the end of my poem, I had concluded that God was still trustworthy. That he was still worthy of my praise, even in the event of my brother's loss of life. And that's what so many of the Psalms will do. They'll take you from that place of anguish, but then turn your eyes that God is still good. He is still faithful. He is still trustworthy. How many of us have experienced those moments where you come into worship, maybe in your prayer closet during the week, or you come into worship on a Sunday morning with heaviness in your heart? Yet as you sing, you turn your eyes on the Lord, that heaviness begins to lift. The weight begins to come off as you come into that place of worship. You see, the Psalms helps to call our emotions out of the drudgery of despair and depression into triumphant faith. They're a beloved book that believers throughout all of the ages have gone to in difficult times. We all experience trials and tribulations as we're awaiting the return of our King. And so our hearts today can resonate with the hearts of the saints of old. Over the course of these few weeks, we're going to be looking at different kinds of psalms, different genres. Depending on your study, there's a typical five groupings of psalms. They're given different names and different studying, wherever you study. But a third of the psalms are lament psalms where you pour out your anguish, your troubles, even your anger before the Lord, and you're asking for his help. And then there's thanksgiving psalms, where you're thanking God for his answers to prayer. There's praise psalms, calling the people into worship and recognizing God's attributes. Psalm 46 fits into this category, recognizing his might. Then there's wisdom psalms, and royal psalms, which relate to the Messiah's ultimate reign. And so as we study the psalms, they're poetic. It's important to study them with imagery and hyperbole and metaphors in mind. They're written from a figurative standpoint, not, not necessarily a literal standpoint. So we need to keep this in mind when we study them, when we interpret them, and when we apply them to our lives. If you notice today in Psalm 46, it's hyperbolic, so it uses a lot of expressive, exaggerated language. And often psalms can stand alone. One psalm will be one song. But for Psalm 46, it ties in with 47 and 48. It's a continuation of celebrating God's deliverance from their enemies. So when I read this psalm this week... I don't know about you, but I'm always curious as to know the background of a psalm. Why was it written? Sometimes we won't know that with some of the psalms. We don't get the background information. But in this psalm, as theologians have taken the timing and put pieces together, it seems that the background information was a triumphant and kind of mind-blowing deliverance by the hand of God. And so I actually want to spend a little bit of time today on the history behind this psalm. What made them write this song of victory? This was 
this was not a lament. It was the opposite. This was a, a song of praise. That God is our fortress. What made them come to that conclusion of such faith-filled words? If you heard uh, a message two weeks ago. Oh, actually, I want to just let you know, for further reading in your week, um, the history of this psalm, we're taking out of second, there's some chapters you can read to get the whole story, because I'm not going to be able to go through the whole story. There's lots of details, and I'm only going to pick out snippets of it. But 2 Kings 18 to 20 and 2 Chronicles 28 to 32 will give you the big, big picture. But if you heard my message a few weeks ago, on, I mentioned King Ahaz. And King Ahaz was a king of Judah and he was a wicked king. He had fallen away from following the Lord. They had been attacked by other lands and he put his trust, his reliance his faith upon the king of Assyria because the king of Assyria was the world-dominating power at that time. And so he chose to make an alliance with him in order to stay safe. And in the threat of that war, God said to, to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint. And the Lord says, this war, it will not come to pass. You will not be invaded. And this phrase, the Lord says to King Ahaz, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. I'm sure some of you have heard that phrase before that was spoken to King Ahaz, calling him back into this place of trust with the Father. Yet because of his lack of trust in these words from God, God sent the very one that he placed his trust in, to come against them. So now moving forward into the context of Psalm 46, King Ahaz had a son, King Hezekiah, and he began to reign when he was 25 years old. But King Hezekiah was not like his father. He was a righteous king. He was a righteous man. And it was said of him that he was one who did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. You see, Hezekiah was zealous for the Lord. And when he began to rule and reign, he began to deal with the, the spiritual situation of the people in that day. He began to demolish the temples, the pagan altars that had been set up. The doors of the temple that his father had nailed closed, he opened it up, he cleansed the temple, he cleaned it out. He called the priests and the Levites to come back to consecrate themselves to the father. You see, they had strayed as well. King Ahaz had led all the people to stray in their worship of God, to stray away from the covenant. And so King Ahaz was saying, come back to worship God and only God. Get rid of the, uh, this idolatry. Consecrate yourselves before the Father. And you know, revival came upon the land of Judah under Hezekiah's leadership because he would not stand for idolatry. He called them out of it. Even the bronze serpent that Moses had had become an idol to them. And so he destroyed it. He was ruthless. He feared God and only God. 2 Kings 18, verse 5 to 7 says this of King Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. 
He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went. He prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. You see, he completely rejected putting his trust in the king of Assyria. He was not about to place his trust in the current dominating world leader at that time. But the Assyrian king wouldn't stand for his rebellion. And so he attempts to pressure him. He sends letters. He seeks to intimidate him. And he sends a letter or messengers and he says to Hezekiah, on what do you rest this trust of yours? You see, the king of Assyria had come and taken over many, many lands. They had lost many hundreds of thousands of their people had been taken into captivity. If Hezekiah was looking from an earthly standpoint, he could have been filled with fear. He could have been tempted to make an alliance with the king of Assyria for his safety. And at one point, he did give him a, paid a tribute towards him as he had taken over one part of Judah. And he said, here, take this, this gift and retreat out of our land. But the king of Assyria didn't, he took the gift, but he did not just stay out of Judah. He continued to intimidate. And so King Hezekiah, he sends word to the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah once again responds, do not be afraid because of these words that you've heard which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. You see, King Hezekiah had given this, been given by God the same assurance that his father had been given. Yet would he trust? Or would he fear man? You see, when we fear man, when we fall to the intimidation of man, we begin to make partnerships with men that we should never make. We need to fear God and only God. Then again, messengers came from Assyria with a letter to him. And he says, don't let this God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. You see, they were mocking him. The king of Assyria was like, I've taken all of these places, all of these other towns, these other lands have had gods of their own. They prayed to them. They didn't stop them. I conquered them. What thinks, what, you know, what, what do you think that your God is going to protect you from? No other God has protected anybody from me. He's being arrogant. He's mocking the living God. And so Hezekiah, he takes this letter that had been given to him. He takes it to the house of the Lord and he spreads it before the Lord. He exalts the Lord and he says, Lord, do you see these words of the king of, Isaiah, of, the king of Assyria who mock the living God? And he prays this prayer. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the works of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, please save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you 
O Lord, our God alone. That was his prayer. I love that. I love that in the moment of intense struggle, can you imagine being the leader of a nation and you've already lost thousands of your people because of the sins of your forefathers and here there's this threat. But what does he do? He does not partner with the enemy. He goes to the temple to worship his God and he takes the letter and says, God, what do you say about this? What do you say? God is his fortress. It's in God that he will trust and no other. And I think that as we read Psalm 46, we can kind of get a hint at how the story ends. What's come of this threat? And what's come of this intimidation? Do you want to hear what God did? You see, the Lord reigns over kings and over nations. I just want to read 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city and save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Listen to this. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose in the morning, behold, there were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, departed and went home, and he was worshiping in the house of his god, Nishrach. And his sons came in, and they struck him with the sword, just as the Lord said would happen. Could you imagine being a part of that? And one night, an angel of the Lord comes and strikes down the enemy. That is the God that we serve When we choose to trust our Father, there can be threats all around. Trying to steal our joy, trying to steal our peace, trying to get us unstable where we're grasping for control or stability anywhere in other places other than God. But when God is in your midst, when he is in our midst, we have nothing to fear. He's our deliverer. Do you know him as your deliverer? When he is in your midst, you have nothing to fear. I remember a time, I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I went through a really difficult time and I needed defending. And so I remained quiet and all I did was hide myself in the Lord. And I watched as I hid myself in the Lord and not defended myself. I did not open my tongue to defend myself. I saw the Lord humble my enemies. He does this. Hide yourself in the Lord and he will be your defender.
Now that you know the story behind Psalm 46 and this miraculous deliverance, I want to read it again so that your heart can enter into the fullness of worship. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. For 2021, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, I was thinking during worship this morning, it just kind of struck me that if we don't actually believe that God is with us, that he is in our midst, that is when we fall prey to running for other shelters. Do you believe today that he's in your midst? Do you believe that he is your defender? That doesn't mean that trial and tribulation is not going to come your way. But he will sustain you through anything and everything. As we head into 2021, decide today that he is going to be your fortress. Drink from the river of living water. It's a time to repent of all of the idolatry, to be ruthless. I've spent time repenting this week. God calls for our ruthless surrender. To cleanse us. You see, I always wish that the church was a squeaky clean place, but it's not. And our sins need to be cleansed. You know what I love about when I was reading the stories there about Hezekiah? He invited them all to come back and to worship. And he prays to the Lord, will you cleanse them? And what does God do? It says he healed his people. He healed his people. God wants to heal his people today, and it takes us with hearts of surrender, humility, and letting go. We gotta let go of our own comforts. 
have to let go of those things we've run to and that we just make excuses for, that we justify. You see, it's time for cleansing so that revival can come on this land. I wasn't expecting to go here at all. I was going to say sorry. I shouldn't say sorry. What I love about the Lord, that mercy. He was so quick to defend his people, defend the city of Jerusalem, city of Zion. Even the wickedness had been the generations before he was looking for a people to be pure before him, to come back. And I don't know if there's some of you today watching online and you've, you've been walking the fence. Maybe there's, there's been hurts, there's been pains in your life that have caused you to walk away from the church. You've forsaken God. You come to the conclusion that there must not be a God and he must not be in my midst. But he's quick to give mercy today. He's quick to heal you today, to deliver you today. And after that, Hezekiah, when he prayed, and they all, God says, I, he healed them. It says next that they all sang with all their might. Everything that was in them, they sang praises to God. Have you ever been delivered of something and allowed your heart and your soul to just sing and rejoice? Oh, may God be in our midst. He is in our midst. But Lord, we ask that you come, that you cleanse us. Thank you for your healing grace, for your hand of mercy. Those of you today trying to overcome addiction, he's not going to leave you unequipped. Surrender it today, repent of it. Father, I just ask and I pray today for my brothers and sisters. I just see hearts that are in agony because of their own sin. And yet you come to meet them. You come to deliver them. And I want to stand with them today for complete and full healing and deliverance upon their soul. that this false form of safety, security, this false fortress that they've been running to will come crumbling down today, and that there will be a new acknowledgement of you as their fortress. Declare him to be your fortress. Take a stand today against darkness. Declare that he will be the light that you walk in. He will be the one that you run to 
No longer will I run to these empty things of this world. The lusts of the flesh, no longer will I run there. You can have it all, Lord. I just want you to spend a moment just between you and the Father. As you head into 2021, just ask and say, Jesus, has there been a a tower? Has there been a fortress that I've been running to other than you? Surrender that. If he showed you something today, You don't have to go searching. Some of you are in the right place with the Father. Just rest in his love, his grace, his care. Thank him. Thank him that he's been your fortress. And together as a family, as a body, can we just lay down the lie that God is not there for us? that he's not in my midst, that he's forsaken me. And grab hold of the truth. He is with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us so we can trust. We can be still. We can know that he is indeed God. And when threat comes, when intimidation comes, We can remain in that stillness because of our faith that he is with us. So we shall not be moved. Father, we thank you for this truth that is in your word that calls us out of the drudgery of despair and depression into that triumphant place of faith that you are with us. You are with us going into 2021. And we can have victory this year because of the king that we serve. Pray, Father, that you will be honored through our lives, not only in this day, but in this coming year, that you will be glorified, that you will be lifted high, and that the worship of our hearts will only increase. In your name, amen.